and welcome to Home Builders. I hope that you have had a great week. Uh, thank you, Will Kirk, for, uh, I don't know where he's at, but uh, for teaching this past Sunday. And uh, appreciate your prayers for Cheryl and I, and our, thankfully are recovered from our summer cold, we'll call it. It's going to create you to 
positive things with those around you. If you have a negative attitude, if you have a bad attitude, it's going to affect those relationships because you're going to act in a way that causes people to become frustrated, to become depressed, maybe to become, you know, obviously you can't change their attitude. They can't change your attitude. Only you can. But we allow influences at times to impact the way we live our lives. Your attitude will directly impact others around you. So how should this knowledge affect your attitude? How should it impact what your attitude is if what we do impacts others, okay? Uh, in other words, an easy one to explain. Your home. One person acts or speaks rudely to another person in the house. How does that change the atmosphere of your home? It becomes negative, stressful, drama, the word I like to use, right? Stressful, what else? Frustrating. Inhibited. Inhibited. What? Contagious. <laughs> Good word. Think about it. The way we live our, our attitudes, our actions, impacts other people around us. Now, let me ask this. Ladies, have you ever experienced, can I get a witness? Okay, I know, ladies, you work tirelessly all the time. I get that. Uh, my, my wife does. She works tirelessly. When your husband does something out of the norm for you as a, as a blessing, does something, the laundry, the vacuuming, the dusting, the dishes, the cooking, something that's not normal, how does that impact your attitude towards your spouse? Woohoo! <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> Words can't even describe it. I'll never forget years ago, I was talking about, we were younger, <laughs> we were talking about relationships and intimacy. And I talked about the fact of how what we do impacts intimacy in our home. How we act towards one another impacts intimacy. And I, so I, I got into this and I said, you know, your love language is extremely important, the five love languages. And I said, when you, I said, often the greatest problem that we have is we live out our own love language. We show our love language to our spouse instead of knowing and living out their love language before them. So in other words, if my love language is um, words of encouragement, and Cheryl's maybe, just to say, acts of service. If I give her words of encouragement all the time, you go girl, you rock, man, you're the best, and she appreciates that, okay? But I never do anything to serve her. She's not going to feel love the way I think I'm, I'm giving it. But when you, when you show that love language, her love language or his love language, it's going to impact your life. And I'm teaching through that one Sunday. And literally the following Sunday was hilarious. Man, male after male, privately walks up to me and went, 
oh my gosh, you are so right. I started serving, I started doing this, I started showing the love language. It was amazing. How we go? TMI, great. And then I'd walk away and another guy would privately walk up to me and go, you are so right. I'm like, gosh, I should go with the parents counseling or something. Yeah. Can you repeat what we're supposed to do again? <laughs> See me afterwards. <laughs> Attitudes are not determined externally, but internally. Okay? Attitudes are a personal choice. Okay? We often blame people for our attitudes. Oh, she makes me so angry. He makes me so frustrated. Uh, they, you know, my kids just, you know, they just don't, da, 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 and, I, I, and then we use this term and we blame everybody else for our attitude. We are in control of our own attitudes. They can't change your attitude. It's your choice, the attitude that you have. Okay? Can they impact the way you, you perceive things? Yes. But it's our choice whether we allow them to impact us. Okay? That's why when Paul is in prison, he's singing. They're rejoicing. They're experiencing persecution and praising God. That would probably not be our typical response unless filled with the Spirit of God, right? Okay? If someone came in here right now, military police shut Thomas Road down and put us all in jail because we claim Christ. If you claim the name of Christ, you're going to jail right now. Probably there would be fear, right? What else? What other emotions? Anger. Anger? Distress? What if there was joy? That comes from within. In other words, it's how you choose to respond. Okay? We can choose to change our attitude based upon another's motives, words, or actions. We can choose to change it. This can be positive and negative. In other words, you could be in a room with somebody and be really frustrated and angry or depressed or whatever, negative. And someone walks into your life who's extremely positive, extremely encouraging, kind, loving, and your attitude can be impacted positively. Or you can, have, you can be in a great mood. And all your spouse has to say is, why'd you say that? That hurt me. And walk away. <laughs> it's like, what? What am I saying? I don't even know what you're talking about. Confusion can happen. Frustration can happen. It, it, it changes immediately. You're like, it impacts everything. But it's still my choice how I respond. I can immediately be going, wait a minute. And I've, I've communicated this over and over and over again. So no one has an excuse, but in case you've never heard it, I'm going to say it again. Ladies, and I'll use gentlemen too, never assume your spouse gets it. Just because they do something does not mean in the slightest that they understand what they did. You have to communicate it. So don't be frustrated if they don't, if you, if you can tell. You walk up to your spouse, 
and you feel something like this. What's wrong? You go to a child or a child comes to you. What's wrong? You know something's wrong. And, you, and they look at you in frustration. Maybe even anger. You don't know? It's almost like they want to punish us. Not Cheryl, she doesn't do this to me. But yeah, it's like they want to punish us. I just going, we'll think about it a little bit. And walk away. And that doesn't help. Communication is the key to happiness in a home. Would you agree? And responding positively to that communication. So you have to communicate. When you said this, that impacted, you know, that hurt me. <gasps> really? I had no clue. I, you know, you can go, I am so sorry. Please forgive me. I'll try to not do that again. Communication is vital. How you communicate those emotions, your feelings at that point is crucial. They may not understand why you're upset. That's why you have to communicate it to them. You have to say what it is that made you upset. That's your attitude. Positive and negative attitudes that we have can be impacted. And if you do it correctly, Lord willing, the person will respond correctly, and they will choose to have the correct attitude then. Because you've been forgiven, they've forgiven you, you've apologized, etc. <laughs> So how do we control our attitudes? Philippians 2, 5 through 8. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even the death on a cross. Someone read for me Philippians 4, 5. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. The Lord is near. Having a Christ-like mindset attitude is crucial. In other words, our attitude should be within the mind of Christ to say, how would Jesus respond? How would Jesus act? How would Jesus think through this? How should my attitude be? He did not use his position selfishly. Okay? Now think about that. He didn't use his position selfishly. Now, I, I don't think anyone's confused about this, but none of us in this room are God, right? Okay? None of us are God. But each of us have a position. We are husband. We may be wife, we may be brother, we may be sister, we may be father, we may be mother, we may be child, son or daughter, friend, etc. We don't use our position selfishly to get our way. We are servant leaders within our home, within our family, within our church, etc. He thought and lived like a servant. Now, okay, here's a, that's an attitude. An attitude then that brings action. Do you have the attitude of a servant? And I know this is not a popular term. <clears throat> Do you have the attitude of a slave? 
because the word doulos, people try to change the translations of the Bible to make it servant, but the correct translation is slave. We don't own anything. We are completely owned by someone. And you know what? When that idea, in reality, when that idea was communicated to people who were following Jesus, some walked away. Because they wanted to be in a relationship with Jesus for what they could get, not what they could give. But the Christ-like attitude is, it's not my will, but the Father's. Now, think about taking out the equation of my will. So Lou shouldn't be selfish in anything that Lou does. That doesn't mean that we don't take care of ourselves. Just like communicated in the past and other lessons, the two greatest commandments are to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbor as... You have to love yourself. If you don't hate yourself, loving God and loving people does not mean that you hate yourself. And being selfless doesn't mean that you abuse yourself. You have to take care of yourself. Because if you don't, you won't adequately love. But at the same time, I should put the interests of Cheryl, Crystal, Zach, Madison, Zachary, Michelle, Lucas, Levi, my brothers and sisters, my enemy above my own. That's not easy, is it? Can I get a witness? Is that hard sometimes? It's impossible. That's why the Holy Spirit living within us has to help us to live it. We can't do those things. That's the fruits of the Spirit. Okay? That's where it's at. He humbled himself. He humbled himself. He was God. And yet he humbled himself. He was a man of humility. He was obedient to his father, even to the point of death. Now, God doesn't ask us to die for him. Okay? In fact, you know, in reality, I'll, I, I, I know I've shared this in the past, but back in 2001, I think it was, Cheryl and I and Crystal and Michelle went to India. And we were there in the state of Rajasthan ministering at an orphanage. And in the church at the orphanage, there was on the wall, you know how uh, maybe some of the old Methodist churches or Presbyterian churches, you would go into those churches and on the side, there would be like an order of service or there would be like the hymns that were going to be shared or sung that day or different things like that. They didn't have that. There, instead of hymns, it was martyrs. They called it a martyr board of all of those who had been killed for being a follower of Jesus. And I talked to some of the orphans that were there, and they said, "We want to get on that board one day. We're going to be a we're going to be a martyr for Jesus too." And I gathered them around, and I'll never forget sitting there. And I said. As much as you want to be a martyr on that board, what God has called you to do is not to be necessarily a martyr for that board, but what's something harder. Harder than being a martyr. Living for him every day. Live for him every day. 
being killed for your faith. That's over. Living for him every day faithfully, dying to yourself every day, that's tough. But that's what God has called us to do, to take up our cross daily and follow him, to be obedient to that. And if I'm taking up my cross and following him, if I'm dying to myself, man, then how I respond to other people, my attitude will be impacted by all of that. We must choose to display gentleness to all. Gentleness. Strength under control. That's what Jesus was. He could have called down a legion of angels. Wipe them out. Kill them all. But he didn't. It was strength under control. Like a bit in a horse's mouth. In which he's willing to allow Father to, to pull the reins. You lead me where you want me to go. I am as strong as I need to be. But I'm going to be gentle to all. It can be defined as moderation, fairness, or graciousness. It can be a type of self-control. Another word to use for gentleness is self-control. We need to display gentleness in our thoughts, actions, and feelings towards others. We must show restraint. So what are some areas in which we should display gentleness? Let's get practical. Where do we display gentleness? Where should we display gentleness? When you call customer service. When you call customer service. When you're driving on Main Street. When you're driving on Main Street. Or Ward's Road. Especially when the students return. In a month. They say, I don't know if this is true, but they say 16,000 this year. We'll see. There's a lot coming. A lot. That's a blessing, by the way. And a curse. Huh? And a curse. Yeah. You know, the, the sad thing is, is that so many Christian schools around the country are, are shutting their doors. And God is, out of his grace, is blessing us here in Lynchburg. But we are a very small town. And one month from now, the student population will be one third of the city's population, basically, you know, with everybody. <laughs> so, what are some areas we show gentleness? Absolutely. Giving people the benefit of the doubt. But can I ask you a question? Now I know this is extending it probably farther. Cheryl says I always go to the extremes. And I do. But how many of you have ever been in your vehicle driving going to an emergency of some type? Someone was in your vehicle that needed to get to the hospital quickly. Something. You had to get to the hospital quickly. because of, Anybody experienced something like that? Did you drive perfectly during that experience? People no. are going to know. Define perfectly. <laughs> According to the law. No. Do we know what's going on in the cars that are being jerks? Or at least our perception. No. 
We have no clue. We don't know what they're facing, what they're ha what's happening in their life, and yet we can get so they're controlling. You know, how are they controlling our attitude? Are you kidding me? I'm getting frustrated because they're driving erratically. They're allowing. They're ruining my day because I'm allowing them to. Really? Or anything else? I mean, gentleness. How about towards your spouse? Towards your parents? Towards your children? To your colleague? To your boss? To your brother or sister in Christ? To your neighbor? Just doesn't get it. Why did Paul end the verse with, the Lord is at hand? knows everything that's going on in our life every moment. The Lord's at hand. The Lord is at hand. Was, was Jesus alive during the life of Paul? After he became a follower of Jesus? Yes or no? Yes, he's alive, but was he physically alive on this earth? No. So Paul is saying, hey, God is with you. Be gentle because God knows everything that's going on. He knows your attitude. He knows your motives. He knows your heart. He knows the words that are coming out of your mouth. Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? <laughs> he knows them. Even before you speak them. The Lord said, be gentle to all. How do we learn to control our attitude? What are some practical ways we can control our attitude? Number one, identify situations where you are easily aggravated or emotionally charged. It should be emotionally charged. What are some examples? In other words, you have to be proactive. You have to, be, you have to use preventative maintenance, if you will, okay? Um, I will say, because I'm not a spiritual man the way I need to be, there are places that I will not drive uh, because I'll get aggravated during the school year. There'll be intentional that I will avoid this place because I'll get aggravated. I get frustrated when I get in line because I'm going to make a right or I'm going to make a turn and people get in the left lane and just put their blinker on because they're more important than me. Anybody else get feel that that way? Can I get a witness? Yeah, you may <laughs> So there's places that I'll avoid. The, you know, you know my story about getting having an anger issue the first year of our marriage. I knew exactly how I got angry, and I had to fix that. Thankfully, um, you know, I probably over showed me the more person correct person to talk to, but have I done better? Oh, yeah. <laughs> but I have to control it. It's not your spouse's responsibility to fix you. It's not your friend's responsibility to fix you. It's yours. And so what we do is we have to ask ourselves, 
where are the areas in which I get emotionally easily aggravated or emotionally charged? So can I get a witness this morning? Where do you, what, how do you, where, where do you, where are you at? Yes, Sam. Well, this is all other things. It's outside the plug. Yeah. When you're ready to get to church and someone else isn't. <laughs> yes. Somebody else. You've already said Ward's Road. Yeah. When your teenage daughter talks back to you. Or teenage son. <clears throat> right? Yeah, that's, you can get easily aggravated by that. Yeah. For me, it's when my daughter interrupts my quiet time and she knows that I'm having a quiet time. Oh, yeah. When you're having a quiet time and your daughter or someone interrupts that. <laughs> what? what? What's wrong? This is my quiet time. We need space. Anybody else? When you're in a meeting, it should have been an email. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> See, uh, I'm an Uber driver, and when someone says, hey, can I stop by Seven Eleven just for a minute, if I can just run into it just for a minute, it's like 10 minutes later. Oh, yeah. Just for a minute, 10 minutes later. to reveal areas in which you may be blinded. The Holy Spirit indwells you. There may be areas in your personal life where you may not see it, but everybody else does. Now, when my kids were in the house, there were times about once a year, I would sit down and I would talk to Cheryl and Crystal and Michelle and ask them, what is it that I do that frustrates you? Where do I aggravate you? Does the, not the scriptures tell me as a father, as a husband, not to aggravate or provoke my children to anger? Well, if I am, and I actually care about them, then I need to ask. Yeah. They always didn't mind communicating that. But I will say this, if they communicated that, let's just say husband and wife, child and wife, whatever, and they communicate something to me, and instantly, I, whoa, 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 no, you, you don't even talk about my problems when you got your issues. Then why are you asking me, right? Will they be honest if I defend myself or put up a wall? What will they do? They'll just be silent, right? If I actually want to change, if I want to be like Jesus, I need to live like Jesus. That may mean the hard conversation, if communication is vital, sometimes we need to ask our spouse, what, do I do anything that aggravates you? And what I've done in the past, and Cheryl has been very honest with me, and most of the things, not all, I've tried to correct. <laughs> Some things I still am working on. But she could probably give you a witness. You also have to tell yourself the truth. 
right? Admit the areas where you may have a bad or inappropriate attitude. How do you feel when others are unkind or rude towards you or those you love? Let's ask that first. How do you feel when others are rude towards you or those you love? You're upset? Devalued. Now the question then is, if you can think of a moment, you, have you ever had a child in school that was demeaned, devalued by someone, picked on, mistreated? How'd you feel? They, somebody said something that about them. You know what was really interesting about my dad? You know a little bit about my dad. My dad could say a lot of harsh things. But if someone else said the same thing about one of us kids, oh, he'd go after him. He can say it, but you don't have a right to. I mean, think about that. It's like, that didn't make sense to me as a kid. But nevertheless, I appreciate the fact that he liked to defend us. If we know how we feel when someone else attacks us or says something rude or disrespectful, then why do we do that to them? Why do we want to create that feeling in somebody else? Someone read Luke 631 to me. Cheryl and I were talking about that this week. Someone was disrespectful to someone else. I said, you know, if, if people, if, if we would learn, if everyone would learn how to live the golden rule to do to others as you would want them to do it to you, wouldn't this world be a better place? It'd be amazing. Listen carefully before responding or decide not to say anything. Someone read James 119 for me. Proverbs also has a lot to say about this. It, 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 there's wisdom in keeping our mouths shut at times. In other words, not necessarily saying everything we think. Can you, you get that? There's some things that we think that we should never speak. We have to filter it where? Where should we filter our thoughts and attitudes? <clears throat> where should we filter our thoughts and attitudes? Okay, you get a filter idea, right? You put coffee in the filter, you pour hot water through it, and coffee comes out. Okay, I don't put a little, you know, I don't take coffee grinds and put a little between my cheek and gum and suck on it. Spit. <laughs> so how I like my coffee. You know? It's a filter. So what do we use as a filter? What what lens do we use? The Bible. Okay? So if I if I think through the scriptures, if I believe the Bible, what would be my attitude? What should my response be? When this is taking place, 
I said, listen, understand before saying anything. And then by prayer, have a reasonable response or no response. Because sometimes saying nothing is wise. Every time we just speak whatever we feel, that can get us into trouble spiritually. Finally, number five, be willing to lovingly confront others who are unkind. Ephesians 4.15 says, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect a mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. Why is speaking the truth in love often rejected? Why don't people say anything when they need to? Fear. What type of fear? Fear of rejection. Yep. Loss of relationship. Fear of loss of relationship. Good. Judgment. They did it too. Judgment. They did it too. Love casts out fear. And yet, when we don't love, we're afraid to speak the truth. Or we're not perceived as loving. You know, if, if Cheryl confronts me, that is a gift. If I'm doing something wrong, if I have the wrong attitude, if I'm doing the wrong things, or potentially could do the wrong thing, okay, when she is communicating that to me, that's the most loving thing she can do. Now, how I respond to that is also crucial. Because again, if I defend myself, if I put up a wall, if I start blaming her or criticizing her, will she do that in the future? No. True love, if she loves me, she's going to confront me. Lou, you, you shouldn't have said that. You shouldn't have done that. You should avoid that. Okay? And if I have the right loving attitude, if I, if I truly love Cheryl, I'll be like, thank you for pointing that out. Because isn't the goal of the Christian life to become mature in Christ? To have the mind of Christ? Yes or no? Yes. yes. So my response should be the same. Uh, kids that are in the room. Sons, daughters. Okay? When your parents are lovingly confronting you about something, they're saying, you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't say that. You shouldn't act that way. You should be careful to whatever the case may be. They're doing it in love, not because they're trying to frustrate you or take away your joy and happiness. They're trying to help you be successful in life. That's important. And that's hard at times. Because we don't always agree with it, etc. Finally, be, be willing to lovingly confront others who are unkind. Galatians 6.1, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, being unkind is a, is a sin. Okay? I'm not talking about speaking love, truth to somebody in love. But... 
You're just unkind. That's rude. You who live by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. That's, that's, that's so that's important thing to think about this. You confront your brother. Okay, so let, let's just say AJ. AJ sees me out and about, and he sees me, I, Lord willing, this will never take place. But you see me say something to somebody that didn't that was wrong. Or maybe I'm here and I say something, or I'm in a meeting and I say something, and you see something, and you privately, not publicly, you don't go, hey, look, stop being a jerk. Okay, that would be appropriate. But you lovingly confront me privately. Okay? And I respond in an unkind way towards you. The danger is, is that my response to you could impact you to be unkind back towards me or gossip. You know what? I, I spoke to Lou. What a jerk. And at that point, it has no longer become love. It becomes gossip. Because it's not for my betterment, but it's for my curse. Man, we have to be careful of how we think and how we talk, how we respond. How do we restore others without being tempted ourselves? And there's a word on that in, in that verse in Galatians 6 1 that I think handles that issue. Pardon? Gently is a good word. Spirit. It's by living in the Spirit, walking in the Spirit. If you walk in the Spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. We won't live in sin when we're walking in the Spirit. How do we restore others without being tempted? Walk in the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, or self-control. We apply those spiritual things to our life, the Holy Spirit. And when we do that, we won't be tempted ourselves. Because we'll be able to see it like when I was a kid with my dad. The thing that I had a blessing of coming to liberty was my first, what I was taught immediately, indirectly, was this. Why does my dad act the way he does? That's the reasoning behind it. And I was able to process all of that. Was he really attacking me? No, he loved me. Are you kidding me? My dad loved me. Then why was he so rude to me? I was able to process that. I know why. And we, because when we truly love people, we, we don't get angry ourselves. And I've tried to communicate this to my siblings. And some of them accept it, and some of them haven't. Some of them are just still ticked off. I can't change their attitude. We, get, we have to filter ourselves by God's word. And when we do, man, our joy will be complete because we'll be one. In other words, when we live out God's truth, you receive the blessing. And everybody else does too. When we reject it, we lose. And everybody else does too.
Let's pray. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, thank you for your word and your truth. And God, I pray that you teach us how to walk in your spirit so that we can choose the right attitudes to lovingly act towards others and confront others in love who don't want to live like you. God, our whole goal is to be mature in you. Help us all to have that mindset, the mind of Christ. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I love you all. See you in two weeks.